The Dragon Reread is brought to you by the Armadillo Podcasting Club. Did you know that armadillos are the only animals that have a concept of time? The problem is they don't have wrists to put a watch on, which is why they're always late. <laughs> that explains a lot. <laughs> For more armadillo facts, to unlock bonus content, and to find out how you can access episodes a day early, check us out at patreon.com slash armadillo podcasting club. Time turns and ages come and pass, leaving memories that become podcasts. Hello there, welcome to the Dragon Reread. We're rereading Robert Jordan's Wheel of Time series of fantasy novels. I am Jeff Lake. I'm Alice Sullivan. And I'm Micah Sparkman. And today we're covering chapters 28 through 31 of Lord of Chaos, book six of the Wheel of Time. Previously, Egwene makes some very poor attempts at wizard spying, but still manages to find time to make out with Gwyn. Busy schedule. Back in Camelin, Rand foils an assassination attempt by bravely diving behind a maiden meat shield and does some genealogical research, uh, answering the question that's been on the forefront of all of our minds, which is uh, Rand and Elaine are not blood relatives, so Dragon D, you have the clearance to land. <laughs> <laughs> Revitalized by this new information, Rand teleports over to Kyrian just in time to mess with those White Tower ambassadors we've been hearing about. Everything's coming up Rand. <laughs> nice. Chapter 28, Letters, Icon of the Dagger. So Rand... He's heading back to Camelin, and he's crazy and moody. He's really disappointed because his library friend has wandered off. Yeah. How mysterious. He's probably forsaken. <laughs> the library friend? <laughs> <Not> probably. <laughs> he's that forsaken that's really forgetful. That's right. I mean, probably one of the ones that got rebodied or something, because, you know, when you get rebodied, it messes with your mind or something. That's probably why he's forgot so much. Mm, that would make a lot of sense. Yeah. They probably have all been rebodied into all the people that we've met in the books. That's a good point. I wonder... If any of them have their original bodies at this point, mm. you even say. I'm sorry, what are we talking about? The Forsaken? <laughs> Herod Fell, the researcher guy that, that Rand went for knowledge that one time. Apparently he... At the school. Remember that? Yes, yeah. And he would, like didn't even realize he was actually talking to Rand? Yes. Yes, okay. yeah. It's his, his, his library friend who lives in his mad scientist school uh-huh. and apparently is his best friend because he forgets that he's a dragon reborn. Oh, okay. But apparently he, he's wandered off. He was only in that one scene, but we really liked him. I liked him a lot. <laughs> And uh, at some point in here, Luz Theron Telemon talks directly to Rand. Yeah, Rand is really sounding like he's actually going mad at this point. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, I mean, I don't know. Just something about this is getting, especially now that we know that he's saying these things out loud. This is really just like um, um, uncomfortable. Yeah, this is not the guy that you want with his finger on the nuclear detonator. <laughs> Yeah, so this has got to be like super off-putting to his Aiel companions because they're just like sitting around watching him talk to himself. And some of the stuff he's saying is is a little like, you know, because it's just like half a conversation, right? So let's I'm gonna I'm gonna read you just Rand's parts. Death? What do you mean? What kind of death? What are you talking about? I'm Randolph Thor. You're inside my head. <laughs> no, I'm myself. What death? Answer me, burn you. So like, if you're only getting Rand's half of this conversation, <laughs> this is concerning, right? <laughs> <laughs> and the Aiel are just like, I don't know, that's just what he does. Well, I don't know. We backed that. This guy, I guess we're going to double down. Yeah. The, <laughs> this is this might explain why the Aiel that he meets are so resigned to death. It's because they're all like, they're all standing inside the blast shield at Chernobyl already. <laughs> <laughs> they're like, we have, uh, like uh, according to 
the prophecy. We have to follow this guy. But like, look at this thing, you know, like <laughs> yeah. he's got a, he's just like waiting to blow. Yeah. You know, I, I wasn't sure about that whole prophecy about him breaking the world again, but now that I know him. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I definitely had to break the world. <laughs> so he gets a couple letters from the offended sea folk that he keeps teleporting around and avoiding. Yeah, why yeah. is he blowing them off? Yeah, this is this jerk. This, this really puzzles me because, like, isn't he at least a little bit curious? I mean, the sea folk are so mysterious and, like, you know, they've got this, like, air of of, not, of ancient knowledge. And he's just like, nah, I'm good. I think he's overtaxed. You know, he's got too much on his plate and he doesn't know how to delegate because, you know, he's a shepherd. And I guess Moraine didn't give him that lesson. So, you know, he was blowing Bashir off for a long time, which... Apparently it was really oh, important. Yeah. I definitely buy that. I mean, like he he's he probably feels pulled a lot of different directions at once, but now he's got Seafolk and Kyrian and Camelin, which are apparently from two different clans. We don't know anything well, about this, right? I'm I'm putting this together, but remember Matt saw some in he was in Kyrian and he saw some land in in on the river and right. sent some emissaries off. Uh-huh. I think it's the ones on the boat in Kyrian, and then some have gone over land to Camelin because they're trying to get to him. Oh. Oh, okay. Because he's got two different notes from different clans, but uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, maybe, know. yeah, maybe I'm wrong. I have no idea. Like, like we we know so little about the sea folk. I want Rand to go talk to him just so I can figure out what the fuck's going on. No. Well, and also from a tactical standpoint, like, don't you want a navy for the last battle? Absolutely, right. He keeps thinking about how the Shanshan are coming back. They could sure use a, a fleet of deep water expert sailors. Yeah, but. He's too busy. He's and busy avoiding Avienda. Also, I said who controlled the boobs. You know, I mean, it's just another awkward situation. Right? <laughs> yeah. uh, but we also know that this, the the uh, I mean, Rand doesn't know this, but the Sea Folk also have I said I can control or not I said I Chandlers. I guess. Sure. Yeah. Something like Chandlers who can control the weather, which also pretty useful. Very very useful. Yeah. yeah. We also find out that I guess Rand is sensing that Alana is crying. Do we know? I mean, like. She's just upset. I don't know. Yeah, I, I I don't know why she's crying. We we haven't heard anything from Alana. She probably just misses her new dragon friend. Maybe. I, well, I was wondering, is she crying because he's teleporting around so much and being far away from your warder makes you sad or something like that? It could be that. It could be that she realizes what a mistake she's made and she's like, you know, she thinks that something's gone horribly wrong. I don't know. Yeah. It could be uncomfortable for her because it's a two-way street. Oh, you know... This uh, may be relevant to something we're going to learn in later chapters, but didn't didn't she lose a warder recently? Alana? She oh. had lost one. Yes. So then Varen's talking cry, about right? it. Yeah, you're totally right. It I makes bet you that, all emotional. I'll bet that is it. That's a good point. But Rand doesn't that. know that. He's just like, ah, she's crying. I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> shouldn't, have, shouldn't have bonded me. And all that Aiel stuff with Rand and Sulin has come to the point where Sulin had decided to act like a servant. But not like a Gaishan, because Gaishan are sort of servants, but that's like a different level or something, right? Yeah. This is, she sort of chose a punishment for herself, which is the utter humiliation of being a palace servant. And she's bad at it. This is very confusing. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't get it. Yeah, and, and it, it's frustrating to me because they have this whole conversation in which Rand is trying to kind of peel this apart. And I think anyone would agree that IO customs are difficult to navigate, and it, it's... It's very frustrating to read these things where the IEL take for granted that everyone should just understand their bizarre and arcane honor system. And, I mean, Rand is actually kind of trying to understand it sometimes. Yeah. And every time he tries to ask a question or better understand it, it's like he's committed another another faux pas. And it's frustrating that they can't, like, 
talk to him on a on a on an educational level, you know? Well, yeah. I mean, I'm not making excuses for them, but when you're such an insular culture that never really experiences any other ones, because you'll you know kill them. I think I think you're absolutely right. I think that's that's the uh, the the likely and and definitely the best explanation is that. Where they are from, there are no other people who aren't Aeol. So everyone they've ever met in their entire lives has this culture ingrained in them. So it's hard for them to understand that. But it's very frustrating to read sometimes because I want to understand it. Like, I want to know this, 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 understand this situation better. But, you know. Yeah. Seems I'm a like little a, tired of it, honestly. A wall. Yeah. Well, I, I'm definitely. Aeol be crazy, you know. <laughs> that's, I mean, that's the best explanation we had is, right? This, like, Giotto, man, that's just what they do. <laughs> yeah. And he gets a letter from Aleandre. Who's the queen of Gaelden? Yes, I that's think. right. Yeah. And he, man, he got gets way more from this letter than I do. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? <laughs> yeah, I'm sure you'll hold my confidence in the fires of your heart. Like, oh, yeah, that means burn. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm just like reading, I read this letter twice. I was like, I don't know. And are you sure about that? All, all that? That's just how nobles talk, I suppose. Yeah, it's a, a game of houses thing or something. But I would not be very good at game of houses. I've come to that conclusion. <laughs> Yeah, and we know Aleandri is a good player of the Game of Houses because she's the the Gaeldenian monarch who survived the prophet. I was able to say the right things. Oh, right. She's yeah. We yeah. met her. She was the one who like wore her not very good jewelry so that he would have something to take from her. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, she's she's cleverer than anyone gives her credit for, which is the only way she survived. But her her position is, I guess, tenuous because you know, the, the the prophet seems to have more control over the city than she yeah. does. So then a gray man attacks. I forgot yeah. about those guys. Yeah, I know. It's like long time no see. What have they been up to, you these know? These guys are fun. I, I like forgot them. they were a thing. Uh, and gets fried by Mazarim Tame. Yeah. Who was hanging out in Rand's room. Yeah. Conveniently, right before Rand is able to question the gray man, which, I mean, yeah. I'm not even sure that would actually work. I don't think anyone's ever tried to talk to a great man, but I, you know, I mean, the, he he had an opportunity there, which was quashed by Tame putting a beam of fire through his chest. Yeah. Gray mans are fun, man. Like, so Rand didn't see the gray man this time, but he saw the door open and close, mm-hmm. but he still didn't take any notice of that being weird. Yeah, it's it's in the book too. He's just like having a conversation. He's like, oh, and the door opens and closes, and he just like the book goes on. You know, there's yeah. no, and then you realize later that. Yeah, yeah. So it's not just the gray man himself. You don't even notice the things the gray man has done. It's very neat. Yeah, yeah. the only thing he... I think the, the thing that finally tips him off is a smell, which is probably not a real smell. It's more just like a sense of darkness yeah. or whatever, but... Or this could be the normal paranoid madness that comes upon Rand every few minutes. <laughs> this time one. he got a gray man with it. <laughs> just happened to, you know, a good coincidence. Yeah, That's top Rand, right? But Tame has... Gateway directly into Rand's personal apartments and was hanging out there waiting for him, according to himself. Yeah, no, I mean, this is getting pretty forsaken-y, right? Yeah, a lot, a lot. Definitely forsaken. Team's yeah. got to be forsaken. And there, oh, and there's a <clears throat> another moment. Now apparently, Luce Theron can control the power when Rand is channeling, because mm-hmm. there's a moment where Rand is trying to release Sidon and. Luce Theron's like, no, let's kill this guy, and starts to control him a little bit. <laughs> this is getting real bad. This is just just very worrisome, very much so. Rand still, I don't think he should channel as much as he does, you know? Yeah, I mean, we, we know where this goes, right? And every time he does it, he's like, oh, there's that, that taint there again. Yeah, that's <laughs> yeah. probably fine. Yeah, but I'm not mad now. No, no. I'm not mad, but Luce Theron in the back of my head, <laughs> yeah. man, that guy's crazy. Yeah, that guy's a real <laughs> whack job. <laughs> 
And so, meanwhile, we get to check in with Pat and Fane, who's contemplating the dagger and evil. Yeah, you know, he's like just hanging out, thinking thoughts about his dear friend Randy. But Mm -hmm. we forgot something important. Mm -hmm. Um, Apparently, the things that make a man sexy in this world are not only a well-turned calf, but also his eyebrows. Oh, right. Mm -hmm. Avienda apparently is really into Rand's eyebrows. Yeah. That sexy eyebrows. Just Mm -hmm. contemplates them. You know... Maybe Rand has great eyebrows, you know? Maybe that's just a trait he has that hasn't been mentioned yet. Maybe he's like, uh, what's her name? Lord. Lord, yeah. Lord has great eyebrows. Absolutely. Or or who plays Daenerys? Oh, uh, that actress, Amelia Clark. Yeah, fantastic oh, she's eyebrows. Got really good eyebrows. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, they're, they're definitely noteworthy. Mm-hmm. So so if we if we take a look at the cover of the, our book, by the way, you can see that Rand does have some pretty gnarly eyebrows oh, in this Oh, man, those are prominent. Yeah. Yeah. Very <laughs> like, those are serious eyebrows. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, he probably, these days you'd probably thin that out a bit. No, <laughs> yeah. no, no. Really thick eyebrows are in right now. Is it? Are yeah. They? Oh, mm-hmm. I think I quit plucking mine then. Yeah, I got to stop. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think either of you do that. <laughs> you don't know. That's yeah, th- true. There's a whole thing where, and then this is kind of going back a little bit, where Avienda is actually making a half ass attempt at explaining Gieto, mm-hmm. and Rand is like not listening at all. He's just like thinking about, <laughs> oh, yeah, she's pretty hot. Yeah, we're really into her. It's like dumb. Oh, but yeah, so Padden Fane is also thinking about how he's super jelly because someone else is bonded to Rand now. He can feel yeah, it. Yeah. Whatever his bond is with Rand it is affected by Alana's bond. Like, somebody took part of his bond. How does he have this bond? The Dark One gave it to him. Okay. Yeah, there's, there's a thing that happened... We learned a few books back. I don't even remember when it happened. But basically, the Dark One captured him. He was a dark friend to begin with. Yeah. Dark One captures him, basically sloshes out his brains, mm-hmm. and filters out all the stuff that he knows about Rand and inserts it back into his brains and does that a few times over until all that's in there is just like... Right. Okay. Rand trivia. Yeah, that's right. Because he can... I Okay, I remember now. It's coming back to me. Yeah. Now that can, we're in book six, I've... <laughs> <laughs> things right. are getting yeah, right. a little mixed up. Yeah, he can always sense when he's in certain areas. Like, he can... Right. Yeah, and nearby. And he was... Formerly, he was compelled to follow Rand like a dog all the time. And now he's kind of resisted that with the power of more death or mm-hmm. something. I thought about it more like the butler and Laura Croft. What? He's always following, like in the, when she's at her practice, to, when she's like practicing at her mansion, the butler is always just slowly following her around everywhere. <laughs> really freaked me out. <laughs> That's what I thought of. But yeah, so he's, you know, he's, he, uh, we also learned that he was actually responsible for that assassination attempt, which I think we've yeah. speculated at. Yeah, but. he sent his corrupted white cloaks. And it's interesting. He believes that he has spread the Shadar Logoth disease to both Pedra Nial and Elida. Which is... So that... That would make a lot of sense, you know. He he says that now now they'll never trust anybody, and they both are. Well, the times that we've seen them, they both do have kind of a, a tinge of madness, maybe. Yeah, they they weren't so bad maybe before, but but Shadar Logoth and Mordeth and and Pat and Fane have got to them. That would make more sense for me for, in terms of Elida, because like she, she would have to be a little crazy, I think, because she is so incapable of her job. <laughs> yeah. Well, okay. Yes. However, unfortunately, we know exactly when Pat and Fane showed up and she was already kind of fucking things up even before Pat and Fane came along, I think. Mm. Yeah. That, he showed up after the dep- deposition, right? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. But we, we know I mean, the scene where there's a scene in the book where he's actually meeting she her. She was able to get people behind her in order to usurp the Emerlin 
throne or seat or whatever. That's true. But now it seems like she's just running the White Tower into the ground. Mm-hmm. Yep. So I wonder if she's gotten worse because of that. I, and I, 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 we know that this this thing is contagious. We don't know how contagious, but I mean, is this? I wonder this concern. Are these things? Are they able to spread? Yeah, it is themselves? it going to spread now? Is, is the White Tower going to turn into the new Aridol? That'd be pretty bad. Yeesh. Yeah. And uh, then he tortures some dark friends. Yeah, he he tortures a, a kid, and then I guess he's going to go like hurt the kid's mother if she doesn't please him. Which you know. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Gross. Ends with some rape in there. Yeah. It's yeah. Very creepy. So it's uh, episode. 200 of why the hell would you ever be a dark friend? Yeah, Yeah, it seems awful. So chapter 29, fire and spirit, icon of the wheel of time. So Nynaeve is wandering around, well, not wandering, looking for Swan Sanche. And thinking really hard about bailing, which I cannot blame her. They have have an actual quest hook now, you know? (laughs) The place they should be going. The DM of their campaign must be pulling their hair out. Yeah, like, so I told you where the bowl is. Why the fuck are you yeah, hanging out yeah. in this stupid city? Stop walking around and talking to people. Yeah, right? Oh, uh, I don't know. I want to go talk to the, the tower again. And, oh, yeah? Well, uh, they're punishing you now. You have to scrub pots every day as long as you're in the city. <laughs> <laughs> or you could go. No, I don't think we're done here yet. Yeah, <laughs> right. And she's still blocked. She's still going through their, her tortures to try and get her unblocked, which the latest torture seemed to have been gotten her really drunk. Doesn't seem that bad. Drunk also. and karaoke. Yeah, that's <laughs> Which, as somebody who's done a lot of drunken karaoke, I don't think that's actually that bad. Although I, I would say that I was very unblocked those times that I was drunk and did karaoke. <laughs> that's a good point. That would have allowed you to channel, probably, huh? <laughs> if I had the spark. Yeah, naive, drunk, and doing karaoke is probably worth seeing. Yeah, and she's people are looking at her funny because she hasn't been making any discoveries anymore mm-hmm. because they've been channeling those all through Elaine because people have been wondering how Nynaeve was doing all those discoveries. Yeah, she's chatting blocked. with this one Aes Sedai who's like, hey, uh, sounds like uh, you might need some help. And she's like, I think we've got it under control, Brenda. Funny, her name is Brenda. What is Brenda the Aes Sedai? That's a perfectly good name. I like that. <laughs> Brenda and Linda and Karen. Karen the Aes Sedai. <laughs> the ones who just like can't leave Nynaeve alone and let her just do her thing. It's like Gladys. Gladys. But I, I, I really can't wait for Nynaeve to be done with this block thing. I think it's getting played out at this point and it mm-hmm. seems to be wearing on her character. You know, her she, she's really down on herself. She's having a really rough time. Mm-hmm. But luckily... For us, Tom and Julian return. Yay! Yay! We haven't seen them in a long time. Yeah, not this whole book, I think. Yeah. Not, no, uh, not in maybe a couple. Of, I don't think he was in the last. Was he in the last book? I feel like yeah. there was a yeah. lot of time spent in the last book with them rescuing oh, the right. detective agency. Yeah, that's the last right. book, they, they went with them to Saladar. You're right. Yeah. yeah. And Julian still has a super sweet hat. <laughs> His fez. <laughs> Very cool. I love yeah. it. Yeah. And uh, they've got news of Amadisia because they've been out scouting around. And uh, Predator Nial is gathering his forces, mm-hmm. and uh, Morghese is with him. And Elaine doesn't know that Morghese is alive. As far as she knows, Morghese was killed by, what's his name? Robin. Robin, yeah. Yeah. So she doesn't even believe Tom when he says that. Mm-hmm. Although it's totally true. Yep. And they're calling the uh, inn where the Saladar Aes Sedai meet the Little Tower now. It's kind of cute. It is cute. Because all buildings are little towers, right? If you think about it, they're just really short towers. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever you're smoking, Jeff, you got to share it. <laughs> Whoa, every building's a tower. <laughs> it's just really short. 
Uh, man, and, and Elaine is still being super cavalier about their captive Forsaken. Like, she's not even wearing the bracelet. It's just, like, hanging out in her pocket. Yeah, right? They, they just got Mogedian off washing dishes with a bunch of other people. This is, this is a time bomb. Waiting to go off. This is such a bad idea. It really is. Like, if you have a Forsaken on your leash, you've got to take responsibility for that. you got to mm. feed them. you got to walk them every day. Exactly. Make sure they go to the bathroom in the right place. Right? Yeah. yeah. you got to make sure they don't trouble anybody else. <laughs> You know, with their, you know, pale fire. Straight forsaken leash law. Torture. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The, the, this, the, every time they, they talk about how they're getting le- more and more lax with her, I'm just like, this is a big problem. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We all know where this is going. Yeah. Nynaeve still kind of wants to go after the bowl. But while she's distracted and angry and doing her standard research on Loghain, she heals him. She heals Loghain. I know. I, it's I crazy. actually love how they did this, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Nynaeve is just like kind of there fiddling around and not thinking about it. She's kind of like her her mind is distracted and she's kind of just worried about her other problems. And she accidentally, well, not accidentally, she sort of does it on purpose, but almost like half-mindedly. Yeah, more like, I wonder what what would happen if I did this? And just works. Mm -hmm. Oh man, that's that's really cool. Yeah, this was really well written too, because that's really interesting the way that he writes it, like you said, like her mind is kind of elsewhere and she's doing it almost subconsciously or unconsciously. So yeah, that was super cool written the way she does it. And then just the tension when Mm -hmm. she's like, it ends the chapter like, oh shit, I I just healed Loghain. Let's let's be cool guys. Like what now? What now? She immediately (laughs) puts the shield up, which is probably the right thing to do because we don't know how Loghain's going to react. The last time Loghain had powers, he was killing Aes Sedai. Yeah. Yeah. And his current, you know, placid state is because he doesn't have godlike powers anymore. So right. yeah. Yeah. the only reason he's playing along is because he hates Aes Sedai so much and this like it, it makes them more divided. Yeah. But like you know those those scenes in movies where the bomb is diffused in the last like three seconds? This is the opposite. Yeah. It's like all of a sudden the bomb is about to blow up and you're like, oh shit, what do <laughs> yeah, we do? Yeah, we're gonna <laughs> uncut those blue wires now. Right. Really cool. Also it, it changes the rules of the series kind of, right? It does, yeah. All those gentle people, all those those still people are all now fair game, right? Mm-hmm. And also, there's been so much talk about how women can't do men's magic and vice versa, but she figures it out somehow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I wonder. So do you think she's just a healing genius? Do you think this is Manetherin blood like coming through? Because she did it while she was you know, not paying attention. I think she's just a genius. I think you can make an argument for either. I mean, so here's, here's, there's, two, there's two pieces of it that I see. First of all, she's obviously got more power and... and ability than anyone in a thousand years or whatever. Yeah. But she's also self-taught. All the other yellow Aja, when mm-hmm. they talk about it, and this is something that happens later, they talk about how healing is only done in a very certain way with like, they say spirit, air, and water or something like that. And she heals with all of the elements because that's all just the way she's always done it because she taught herself to do it. Mm-hmm. Because Nynaeve never does anything halfway. <laughs> right. <laughs> all the way. So so she, the the healing in this way, is done, or this particular kind of healing is done with an element that uh, yellow Aja thought was not used for healing. Yeah, right? Yeah, very, very interesting. Isn't that a trope? Like the genius who comes along and is able to solve something that nobody else could solve because they followed rules and they never realized yeah, that those rules existed? Yeah, because they didn't know the existed. rules. Yeah. yeah. yeah they, it's the, the, the school teachers invented a cure for diabetes. Doctors hate it. You know? mm-hmm. Yeah. So usually it's a scam. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Not in this case, though. It's, yeah, it's the, it's the trope of the outsider. Mm-hmm. That shakes things up. Yeah. Then chapter 30, to heal again, Icon of the Tarvalon Flame. So she's restraining Loghain while Elaine runs to get Sherian. 
and it's taking all of her strength to hold him in, which surprised me. I thought she'd be much stronger than Loghain. Yeah, me too. Because epi- she's epically strong. Yeah, I, I, I never, I knew that Loghain was a strong channeler, but I never thought of him as like on the level of Rand, for example, yeah. or, or Nynaeve, you it's know? It's a thing we haven't talked about for a while where the, when the dragon's about to show up, the pattern throws up all these other false dragons. Yeah. For whatever reason. And, and Loghain is dangerous, not just because of the amount of power, because you're right, like that when he, when he flexes power, his, his channeling ability, she, she can barely contain him, but he's also like insidious, you know? Like, he mm-hmm. starts saying things to her that sound totally plausible, but he is 100% trying to manipulate her. Yeah, and, and a bunch of Aes Sedai show up, you know, in a semi-panic. Like, a lot of Aes Sedai show up, and he plays it cool. He's like, oh, you, she's saying she healed me? That doesn't make any sense at all. Go ahead, unshield me. It's unnecessary. Yeah. 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 You, you, they need to watch this dude. He is, like, that. Yeah, it surprised dangerous. me a bit, because I kind of thought of him as a kind of a dumb lunk. We've been bit. taking him for granted. I've been mm-hmm. taking him for granted, but... Again, the last time... He he adapts to this situation incredibly fast. Is there any chance that he is one of the Forsaken? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I wouldn't rule anyone out, but it seems less likely because he's been in the White Tower a long time, right? And and, and he's been under watch for a long time. It would be difficult for him to... It'd be... I can't think of a Forsaken that could be him. But none of the Forsaken have have been gentled or severed or stilled or whatever, right? Well, what about the ones who we think have died? Uh, well, we we have a couple. Yeah. So only a couple have died and come back, right? We, two that we know of. Okay, five percent chance he's a first. <laughs> yeah, it, it is not impossible. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, like it's the, like it's like Schrodinger's Demandred. Like <laughs> anybody could be Demandred. <laughs> Demandred is all of them. Yeah. We look. We don't know that the Forsaken can't be in more than one place at once. They have all kinds of weird powers. It's true, yeah. Maybe maybe he does that. He's yeah. just traveling between portals so fast that you can't see it. So he's just like in all these places. <laughs> he's just like one word here, one word there, and just like teleporting around. That's demanding. Yeah, but Loghain, he he like he freaks me out. Like when she when she heals him, all all it is is a he just slightly widens his eyes. That's it. And then the women come in and he's like, Oh wait, she just healed me? No way. Like this is <laughs> this is creepy. Like how mm-hmm. How cal- outwardly calm he's oh, acting. Yeah. Even before they get there, he's trying to talk Nynaeve. And she's like, oh, Nynaeve, you don't need to shield me. I'm only here. I'm only after the rest. Yeah, I'm on your side. Tell me oh, We're friends. Yeah. <laughs> now, and it's easy to forget that, and I said this before, but up until the moment that he was gentled, he was leading a huge army. He was, by most accounts, a pretty serious contender, right? Mm-hmm. And then he got gentled and that changes your personality. But, yeah. but he is a dangerous guy. Yeah, now we know why men had those viewings of him in yeah. future glory. Oh, that's right. Yeah. That's yeah. So the Aes Sedai hustle Nynaeve off to the hall. Uh, and they do it in a way calculated to keep her angry the whole time. Which, yeah. I don't blame them. That's that's how you got to do it. Right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, also, Nynaeve makes it really easy, right? It's true. She's got, <laughs> got such a temper. Yeah, Myrell and Sherim are just really fucking with her. And I think that the, the Saladar Aes Sedai have kind of twigged onto this in general. Like, if we keep this chick angry, amazing stuff happens all the time. <laughs> this is great. Yeah, that's right. But the, she then easily heals Swan Sanche and Leanne also. She remembers how she did it. Except they're not as strong as they used to yeah, be. Yeah. So does it mean Loghain isn't either? It, it seems no. like he's still pretty strong. It, so. I think they specifically say that it isn't the case, and we don't know why. Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe she's just doing it in a way that's better for men or something, or who knows? Maybe this is one of those... Men and women be different things where 
yeah. women just can't be healed as as much. Yeah. It, it's I, I got a little choked up though when she healed Swan and mm-hmm. you know it was yeah. really sweet. It, it was yeah, it was a really moving scene. And and of course the the yellow Aja are just like being real dicks about it, right? <laughs> they're like, oh well you should have done it this way or what you know it's yeah, like the, yeah, before she does it they're like, no way this is gonna work. She's totally a faker. It's all BS. And then afterwards she's like, ah, I could have done it better. Yeah. No, I thought it was, I thought that was actually really funny. She heals and then and she's just sitting back waiting for everybody to say, Oh my god, you're amazing. Nobody's ever done this. And they're already like arguing about ways to do it better. I thought that was kind of cool. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I was I was I found it very annoying because I was like they, they were what they were really doing is diminishing the miraculous nature uh, of what she had done. I didn't quite read it that way. No? I read it like this is how experts in a field show that they're impressed. Okay. Right. They're they're totally focused on the the task at hand right and the the person the interpersonal thing where they they should you know congratulate her they don't think of that because their minds are so inspired by the new possibilities you that's know? the way i read it okay yeah. well that's that's better than my interpretation so we'll, we'll go like with that like they're automatically like moving on to the next next step here you know mm-hmm. yeah i do want to point out that jeff this is exactly why you uh are are speaking in, you often speak in defense of naive when she gets bored she's like does something crazy and advances the plot. <laughs> exactly right. So, you know, she, she pulled a naive, as we like to say. <laughs> yeah, it's not boring anymore. Yeah. <laughs> she gets bored and shit goes sideways. <laughs> yeah. But it gets really, this is a really interesting scene, too, because one of the Aes I says, well, I guess we have to gentle Loghain again, and one of the whites speaks up, and that becomes a whole uh, moral dilemma. Right, yeah. Do yeah. they? They yeah. don't, right? Like, it would be, I think it would be, pretty fucked up for them to gentle Loghain because we know that Rand is is has this like amnesty thing and they want to garner favor with Rand. Loghain is a very useful asset for somebody like Rand. If, I mean, if mm-hmm. he plays along, I guess. Yeah, he is. But also, I mean, on the other hand, he's proven bad, right? Loghain? Yeah, he, you know, led an army in Saldea and, you know, he, he killed a whole bunch of people and messed with a bunch of people's minds, you know. Did he? I mean, like he did. He did that to people who were sent to kill him. Uh, yeah, but still, he's proven himself an enemy of the good, right? <sighs> or of the established powers. I mean, he, he definitely. If you were to list crimes, I bet he'd have a lot, right? I, I wonder how much of that is just because if you are a man who can channel in this world, you have no other choice. Like you can't go be a good guy because what's going to happen is mm. the red Aja will track you down. Doesn't matter what kind of person you are, right? So your only option is to build power. Or you die. Because that's what happens if you get jumped, right? At the very least, from like a pragmatic standpoint, they should probably keep him around for a little while. So Nynaeve is once more a star. Yep, she's made herself invaluable, <laughs> which is probably not what <laughs> yeah, she wanted. the opposite of what she wanted. <laughs> yeah. But Swan Sanche is overjoyed. She thought she was dead, you know? And she was just desperately trying to fill the void. And now she can channel again. She's back. She's an Aes Sedai again. This, this scene was actually super weird to me, just the way that everyone was treating her. It's not that she, you know, she's got her powers back, whatever, and they're acting like she hasn't been there all along, in a way. They're like, welcome back, mm-hmm. as if she hasn't just been there, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's, it, I know what it is. It's their, like, bullshit Aes Sedai secret club thing, and it you guys know that this frustrates me, yeah. because... Swan Sanche is a tremendously capable and useful person, mm-hmm. regardless of her power, right? Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. This, this scene rubbed me the wrong way, I yeah, guess. Yeah, you know, we, we go into this later in these chapters, but they apparently they have a whole kind of informal hierarchy based on how strong they are and how quickly they learn. Which is 
Oh, sorry, sorry, but it but they also make the point again though that not every that you don't become Armorlin by being the most powerful. Yeah, in the power. so it's it's a soft hierarchy, you know. It's mm-hmm. kind of like I don't know being rich in politics or something. You know, mm-hmm. you don't you don't have to be rich, but people tend to be rich. If people who are successful. Yeah. So is she going to become the Armorlin again? Well, I think that uh, yeah, that's what happens. Is she tries to? Yeah. So yeah. she she thinks that yes, I'm I'm I said I again I should be the Armorlin. Because I was Armelin before, but, yeah, but but I think they say no. No way. But from a real politics standpoint, of course not. She has no power base anymore. Yeah. But but I, I think it it's really dumb that the Aes Sedai hierarchies are based on who's the strongest wizard. I think it that's stupid. It is dumb. It is dumb, but I find it somewhat realistic, honestly. Yeah. You know, like, uh, I, I've worked in a lot of programmer hierarchies, and a lot of times the programmer who's the best programmer gets the most power effectively, yeah. you know? Yeah. Even even if it's in situations of like interpersonal power, where it's, which it doesn't really make sense that the the person who's you know has the most technical knowledge should be that should be you know in other words they always make the best programmer lead, mm-hmm. which doesn't necessarily make sense because it's a different skill set. Yeah. yeah, but it's very human, and uh, she still owes Gareth Bryan her services. Yeah, it and will be good to be a channeler now that she's you know washing his underwear. I guess so. Yeah, this yeah, th- and this is another thing that now that her power is back, she feels the loss of her warder who was murdered when she right. lost yeah. power. So which, it must be connected to the power in some way. I guess I'd wondered a little bit if you couldn't make a warder bond between any two arbitrary people. Apparently not. Yeah, and it yeah it hits her really hard. And this this uh, yeah this is a little bit of a sad scene. You know, she's mm-hmm. crying uncontrollably, and she's like. How did you deal with this? She's talking to Liane, who's also mm. lost a warder. She's like, I, I cried every every night for like a year. It's like, oh, okay. Right, this yeah. Is, so this, I guess, answers you know, some of our questions about Rand and Alana's potential, you know? Killing one or the other probably wouldn't. Uh, yeah, well, maybe it has to sink in for a while before that happens. Yeah, it's hard to say. Because I, I guess that both of the, in both of those situations, they had ward, their warders were their constant companions for decades, right? I wonder if Rand gets the advantages of being tireless and all that other stuff. That's a good question. Yeah, I guess he would, right? Mm. So she realizes in passing that she's falling in love with Gareth Brine. (sighs) Oh my God, this is is weird. (laughs) Jordan does not know how to write romance. (laughs) This doesn't make any sense. He's like, you know, oh, we've been... uh, I don't even like yeah, the, it. Doesn't the, make any sense. Like, the thing where they hate each other, then they love each other. He's all about that. He's like, I'm going to turn you over and spank you again. And she's like, Oh, I love you. Oh, it's, just, it's just weird. Oh well, whatever. I love the way you sit on a stool outside the hall of the tower all the time. Yep, it's, it's great. So romantic. Not only is she not Amarlin again, she might not even be a blue Aja anymore. I thought that was interesting too. Yeah, they, they have to reapply for positions in their old Ajas. Yes, it's unprecedented. For yeah, that's true. It's never happened before. Mm-hmm. For Swan, it's like you know she's gonna she wants to go back to blue. She's not sure if we'll take her. Mm-hmm. Leanne's like, I'm gonna go green this time. I think. Yeah, he's like, I like being sexy. I'm gonna go with the sexy Aja. <laughs> but then the Swan and Leanne go and they ask Nynaeve to make them stronger. Because, yes, you know they're not strong, which I guess she's like it's worth asking. Fix us, you know, better. Do the thing where you fix us, but do it better. Thanks. Could, could she like spill them again and then? Heal them again? Yes, she could, but I don't know if it would necessarily make things better. Yeah, I don't know, yeah. Would it make them even younger? Uh, oh. Oh, I don't know. Yeah, we don't know how that, we, we don't know yeah, how the youth we anymore no works. How that works. No. We know that getting their power back didn't make them look older for some reason. Just, they're still well, it takes anymore. a while for the Aes Sedai stuff to kick in, the mm. face, right? That's true, the agelessness. So, <laughs> yeah, they have to fill up their reservoirs of ageless juice. Uh, you know, my 
my hypothesis here is that Nynaeve has found a way to heal that's like male-centric and she probably could heal a female Aes Sedai to, to full strength if she knew the right way to do it, but she's using like the male way. Oh, that makes like, sense. Like not as effective on women or something like so that. She's fire and spirit for Loghain and maybe it's like water and... No, I, I don't know. It's hard to say. So, yeah. So it's like a movie Prometheus when she had to have a C-section to get the alien out of her, but instead mm-hmm. she used the dudes. Yeah, because it wasn't programmed for women. Yeah, yeah right. <laughs> to have an appendectomy or whatever. It's exactly like that, right? That was a yeah. dumb movie. <laughs> yes, it was a terrible movie. <laughs> if, uh, you know, if you happen to be listening to our podcast... Uh, what's his name? Ridley Scott? Ridley Scott. If you happen to be listening to our podcast, really, Scott, fuck your movie. <laughs> yeah. Right, yeah. Also, check out our Patreon. We should make another tier, just like the Ridley Scott tier. <laughs> Actually, we should. It's like $1,000 a month. Yeah, $1,000 a month, and we'll stop saying bad things about Prometheus. <laughs> <laughs> but Swan and Leanne and Nynaeve and Elaine all agree to be friends. I know. Swan and Leanne are putting in an application at the NDA home office. That's, I like think, we want to join up. I think they'd be good members of NDA. Oh, absolutely. They would be better than any existing members of NDA. <laughs> Swan's like uh, strategic thinking and, and spy network and Lane's, you know. So, okay. The <clears throat> four of them. <laughs> yeah. I would say the four of them are analogous to the four members of the A team. Oh. Or the Beatles. Or the Beatles. Or, or the, the Ninja Turtles. Or the Ninja Turtles, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wait, wait. So, which one is which? Uh, okay, so. You all, I'm sure you know all the members of the A-team. Right? Uh, obviously, but how about you tell them for the <laughs> listeners who probably don't know all the members of the A-team. So, so Swan Sanchez is Hannibal, the leader. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, Nynaeve is, well, oh, sorry. Leanne is Face, the seductive one. Absolutely, right? yeah. Uh, Elaine is B.A. Baracus, the driver, like the, the technical one that's, that's good at making things. Oh, yeah. And Nynaeve is Murdoch, the crazy one. <laughs> okay, okay, that's good. So what about the Ninja Turtles? <laughs> okay, so this this is easy, right? So Leonardo, obviously, that's uh, that's going to be Swan. The leader. Uh, yeah. Uh, Donatello, that's going to be Elaine, the technical, mm-hmm. the maker. Yeah. Uh, Raphael, that's going to be Nynaeve, that's the one with the temper. The angry one. And Lan is definitely the party dude. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> that works really well. Yeah. So how about the Beatles? Oh my gosh. Okay, that one's harder. So Nynaeve is Ringo. Oh, my Ringo. <laughs> Wait, really? No, I don't know. Gosh, this one's hard. Okay, that doesn't work as well. Can we just say they're all Pitbull? Um, <laughs> yeah, Pitbull, the fifth member of the Beatles. Yeah. Okay, so I guess Elaine would be George, because that's kind of like the, George was kind of the tinkery one, and he went mm-hmm. off and like did the sitar music one, yeah. and shit like that. Yep. Did his kind of did his own thing. Yeah. Um, Leanne is Paul, the like cute one, I guess. Yeah. Swan is mm-hmm. John, because she's like the leader, and she's the smart one. And I then, guess it does leave Nynaeve. Yeah, Nynaeve is Ringo, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, unpredictable, but every once in a while comes out with a really good hit. <laughs> all right. All right. Fair enough. Have I told you the joke my mom told me a long time ago about the, the heart and soul of the Beatles thing? No. Yeah. It's the, the the old saying goes is that Paul is the heart of the Beatles, John is the soul, George is the brain, and Ringo is the drummer. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's good. That's good. <laughs> oh, that's good. Swan is up to something. I, don't, I, do you, I, I was having trouble... Figuring out what was going on here. Well, I, I think it's implied that Swan wants to make herself Amerlin again. Right. and but I, So she hasn't given up on that. Is that the idea? Well, I think at this time, she already went in and got shut down. Right. She got shot down, but she's still going around and talk. She's trying to, to 
gather support for something, right? I, I think it's the same thing she was working on before. Okay. I so. think the Emerlin was just sort of a moonshot that they tried because this random thing happened. I got gotcha. her powers. But whatever they're working on, which I think we're going to find out pretty soon, uh, she's now using her new position. But it, it's uh, in the hierarchy, apparently she was a little bit less constrained when she wasn't an Aes Sedai because she didn't have this problem of this Aes Sedai power level hierarchy holding her back. She was on a, she was a, a separate tier, right? Yeah, yeah. So now she has to like butter up her old friends and build her network again. But yeah, she, there's this whole thing about a conversation about Terangrial and then she's trying to get like Lelaine yeah. and Delana. To, like, well, the, the, the thing here is she's been going to Teleron Riyadh without permission. Oh, uh, right, right. But now she has to get permission because she can do it officially. Right. Now that she's an Aes Sedai. But, ah. she, but she doesn't have to follow the three oaths. Right yeah, which she she hasn't let anybody in on. Nobody that. knows that. And nobody, Smart. yeah, because even when she was not an Aes Sedai, they assume that she still was yeah, bound yeah. by the oaths. So she can lie, she can make weapons, and she can kill people. Yep, that's true. Though, so Gareth Bryan really ought to watch his step. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, she did try and use the power on it. It didn't work out very well because I guess she's pretty weak now. Mm-hmm. So maybe it's not so bad. Like yeah. she could just she could probably suffocate somebody with her. I know she could. There's a lot of ways you could kill somebody with the power. That's true. Uh, but yeah, we we get a scene of her buttering up one of her old friends, who's now one of her new friends. But there's you know their their relative roles have changed. You know now she's the supplicant, and the other one is the the patron. Right. And uh, after that conversation, her friend meets Erengar, the rebodied Forsaken. Yes. So now there's definitely a Forsaken in Saladar. Absolutely. Oh, I'm sorry, yeah. two Forsaken in Saladar. <laughs> so you're right. There's, there's an uncontrolled, uh, off-leash Forsaken. <laughs> there's between two and three and seven Forsaken in Saladar. Un- right. Unclear. Max ten. <laughs> yeah. But at least two of them we know of now for sure, one of them being Erengar. Yeah, and Erengar shows up and gives the... the the sign of the Black Aja, which is real cool. Yeah. Which apparently is the gut your nose sign, right? <laughs> That's right. A fist with their finger, but gut your nose. And uh, yeah, Swan's friend is Black Aja. Which, which is, is weird. because Yeah, it's a little insidious because her friend was just thinking like, I, I like Swan, I'm going to keep helping Swan. Yeah, not like, oh, I'm evil and I'm going to like poison yeah. her soup or something. <laughs> I don't know. That's a Black Aja. Pretty evil. <laughs> yeah, no, it's 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 interesting. It's not what I would have, would have expected from Black Aja at all. Yeah. So Erengar is going to pose as her secretary or something now. Okay. So this confirms something we discussed previously. Erengar uh, is a woman. Yeah. Do you think Erengar can channel? I well, yeah, it's got to be because why else would the Dark One bring him back? Well, so Delana cannot detect the ability to channel in, in her, which doesn't necessarily mean she can't, because we know that Forsaken are good at yeah, yeah, yeah. disguising themselves. However, if you are used to using Sidin and now your body only uses Sidar, can oh. you channel? Right. We're probably going to find out, and thus we will find out what Robert Jordan's stance on biological gender versus like mental gender is. Uh, that's a good point, yeah. <laughs> so chapter 31, Red Wax, Icon of the Sunburst. So this is a whole bunch of white cloak stuff. Yeah, which actually, exactly. wasn't as boring as I thought it was going to be. Yeah, I, I just, uh, I always hate the white cloaks. But there's a lot that happens in this chapter. Yeah, we start off with the white cloak talking about the mass murder they've been committing. Yeah, there's some evil. Right. Yeah, Aelon Valda has been called back to Amador uh, from the White Tower, and he's mad about it. So he killed all the people he met on the road on the way. Yeah, he makes some argument about not being able to tell who are working for the prophet and who aren't. So he's just like, I'm just going to kill them all. Yeah. Easier. 
Yeah. Let the creators sort them out. Refugees. Yeah. I think he actually says they should have just stayed home if they didn't want to die. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. Uh, So. He's a very different way of doing things. He's a bad guy. He does not appear to be a dark friend. Yeah. He's a very bad guy. He's just plain old white cloak evil, which is evil enough, I suppose. And uh, we get a a bit of description about White Cloak Central, which is kind of an interesting citadel. Oh, you're talking about the the Dome of Truth? Yeah. Because he uh, he shows up and and he has a clandestine meeting with the head questioner, a guy named Asanawa, who enlists them in a plot, I guess, to overthrow Niall. Yeah, it's very interesting. Yeah, a little bit of treason to welcome him back. Yeah. And then uh, Pedro Niall gets another Shanshan warning. And he's still disregarding this. No, he he bought it this time. Yeah. Did he? Oh, okay. I misunderstood. I misunderstood. So yeah, he was real subtle because he yeah. he gets it from two different people. I guess is the thing, right? Well, it's the same guy again, but this time it's mentioning like he's mentioning stuff that guy shouldn't know, like about other agents, other white cloak agents. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Veridin, Veridin, and Faisar. Yeah. And so he listened this time, and he he that's the whole business about he sends. Uh, a courier into Tanchico, like with the utmost possible speed to go like communicate with that person and gotcha. see what happens. Gotcha. So he didn't just burn it. And we get his four plans concerning action and information, which are pretty good. Pretty clever. Mm-hmm. Never make a plan without knowing as much as you can of the enemy. Never be afraid to change your plans when you get new information. Never believe you know everything and never wait to know everything. It's like, mm. yeah, those are some great rules. That's pretty good, yeah. Yeah, that should be one of those like self-help books or something <laughs> or like how to become a better leader. Kind of books that my husband always has to read. <laughs> yeah, Pedro Niall is supposed to be one of the one of the great generals. I think he was in the list, wasn't he? Along with Bashir. Yeah, and, he was on the list. Gareth mm-hmm. Bryan. He's one of the great generals of the of the of the age. Right. It's very interesting. I bet there's some you know military historian has written a manual along those lines. It it reminded me of you heard of the Uda Loop. Yes. Yeah, it's it's an interesting thing. It's this. Uh, there was this guy who worked for the Air Force. It's totally irrelevant to the books, but. He worked for the Air Force, and he was the trainer for fighter pilots for like 20 years. And he he was famous because every time, he was like Top Gun. Like every time a new class would come in, he would challenge them all to one-on-one dogfight him, and he would beat them all every mm-hmm. time, even though they were younger, had faster reflexes, all that stuff. And he eventually gave all these talks and wrote some papers about what he called the OODA UDA loop, which is Observe, Orient, Decide, Act, which is a little bit like what he's talking about here. And the idea is you, you it's a it's a method for... Uh, operating in an environment where you have limited information and limited time to gather information, like you're a fighter pilot who's you know glancing around and reading your instruments. Yeah. And so it's observe to get all the observations you can, and then orient, which is like build your uh, your mental model of what you think is going on, mm-hmm. and then make a decision based on that, and then act. What what he would say is the competitor that can run this loop the fastest will always win. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm curious if Robert Jordan did know that because, I mean, he was in the military, but he also attended the military academy in Charleston. Mm-hmm. I bet they talked about that, yeah. Yeah. This is, uh, this is also something that's applied. Uh, there's there's someone who's written about, like, what to do in an active shooter situation. Mm-hmm. They talk about oodle loops as, like, the way to deal with that is, like, you, you have to run these loops while you're in a situation. Yeah. yeah. Because that's another situation where you, you can't have perfect information. Yep. Mm-hmm. And, you, and, and you doing do. nothing is possibly deadly. So you yeah. have to do something, right? Interesting. Oodle loop. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because of this stuff, I'm kind of starting to like Pedro Neal. I, I think he, I like the way his mind works. I didn't, I never disliked him the same way I disliked all the other white cloaks. I mean, he's, he's not good, but he's not as like outright evil. And he's, he's strategic about his approach to things. He's clearly like the, on the wrong end of things. And he's, you know, he's, his intentions are bad, but yeah. 
And he's not, he's not like trying to do the wrong thing exactly. Uh, right. Do you want to take us into Morgay's? No. Go for it. <laughs> uh, yeah, then we check in with Morgay's, who starts out on board with that dark friend's plan to escape. Yeah, and everyone around her is talking about how shady he is. <laughs> yeah, right. And she's like, nah, he's great. He's fine. He's fine. Lenny, my favorite character in the entire books, is like also not on board, so I'm not on board. <laughs> <laughs> but it's a fake out. Uh, on her way to go see Pedro Nial, all of those dark friends get hanged. Yeah. They had a really elaborate plan, too. I was kind of excited to see it play out. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah. And uh, because she saw them get hanged, she capitulates to Pedro Nial and signs that treaty to establish the right for the White Cloaks to uh, take over Andor, basically. Which fucking sucks, because I was all excited about Morghese getting out of this thing, and then she has to sign this treaty, and now we're going to deal with White Cloaks forever. You know, wasn't this the whole point of her coming to Amador? To get the White Cloaks to help. Yeah. Yeah, yeah but it's... She we had no other know, allies, and she knew the White Cloaks would march for her. We know that it's not necessary, and if she had more information, she would not sign this treaty. And she mm-hmm. knew what we knew, right? Yeah, I'm just a little frustrated with her because this is what she came here for in the first place, you know? It's kind of reminded me of Mary Queen of Scots at this point. Mm-hmm. Being trapped, it's a, a deposed queen of sorts who is being trapped somewhere else and is being surrounded by people who do not have her best interests at heart. Hmm. Mm. Might be. Uh, might be a, a parallel to that. Yeah. yeah. I know that Robert Jordan likes to incorporate little history stuff. But yeah. it turns out that they weren't even onto the plot to, to get her out. They yeah. just killed those guys because they're dark friends. Yeah, yeah this is this is because uh, they are actually dark friends. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> they, they walked in on them like chanting to the dark one or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> nice one, dark friends. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, this is this is a really interesting turn of events because we also see a, a, a moment where the, the head inquisitor is talking about how he's going to use her her refusal to sign as a way to get her essentially into his like torture plan, right? Yeah. And so that's all of a sudden circumvented by this signature. So it's just a really weird turn of events. Right, yeah. So I guess the signature is actually gonna work out in her favor. Also, Petronial, I, I I guess because of the um Sean Chen thing is yeah. is delaying his invasion. Right, of, yeah. It's not going to happen. He's he's that's that's why I think he's taking the Sean Chen seriously this time. Yeah. Cuz he realizes he might have to use his forces somewhere else. Yeah, so I don't know if this is like some Tavaren something that's happening cuz it's just this weird unrelated thing that seems to work out in Rand's favor. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so that's it for this episode. Next time we're going to cover chapters 32 through 37 of Lord of Chaos. I am Jeff Lake. That's at Jeff underscore Lake on Twitter. I'm Alice Sullivan at Alice M. Sullivan. I'm Michael Sparkman. I still don't have one of those. If you have any comments, questions, or feedback, please drop us a line at hello at thedragonreread.com. We love hearing from you. Please share us with anybody you think will like us. Please give us good reviews wherever you got this. Please check out our Patreon, patreon.com slash armadillo podcasting club. Please like us in real life. We're just so likable. Until next time. The, the light, light illuminates you. you.